2: Hello, one and all, and welcome to Behind the Glass, your weekly automotive podcast hosted by two rather uninformed enthusiasts. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> I'm Sam from the YouTube channel Scene2Glass. I'm Tony from Gravelwood Car Sales, And you can watch us each week. We hope you enjoy the episode. We are both starting this episode <laughs> sipping on our coffees. Pissed. <laughs> it's gin in yeah, there, by the you way. Think it's coffee. <laughs> it's hard alcohol. Welcome to March 2023. Yeah. We are now piss heads It's the only way to survive. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Um, how are you, mate? All right, mate. It's been. It's been a while. I haven't seen you for ten days or so. Yeah. Uh, things have been good. You, you've good. been. What are you wearing on your feet? Timberlands. <laughs> Can I tell you why? Can I just tell you why?
3: Not, in Surrey, there's no snow. Nothing. There's an inch of snow at my work. And okay. if I wear trainers or, or, I mean, I use these, but that's why they're muddy. I use them to walk the dog in the woods. But they look like someone. They're Timberlands, mate. You can't go in on They look
2: like someone. No, I know what Timberlands are. I actually have a pair of Timberlands. Yeah. But these look like someone who's bought Timberlands from Selfridges and got a pair of muddy trainers and stamped them on the Timberlands to make them look like they're used. And warn them to say that look, I'm an outdoorsy kind of guy. Well, I am. They look like the freshest unboxed Timberlands I've ever seen, with just like a light dusting of mud. They're not very you, right? I don't want to be. What, horrible. You take them off. You often rip apart my outfits. My I've your attire. My attire, and yeah. I've looked down, and it is the weirdest look on you. It's a little bit YMCA, mate. Right? Well. I mean, I was a bit of a rocker when I was a kid. <laughs> That's not a rocker. No. It's like... Skinny jeans. Hey, I'm a big fan of skinny jeans, but I would keep your feet down for this yeah, recording. But, uh, no, if you're watching on YouTube, I apologise. You probably also thought, oh, what what's happened here? Well, Has he got to... dressed in the dark? No. <laughs> That's one of my ones. He loves it me. Taking my life, throwing it back at you. Um, anyway, well, like, I'll, I'll move on from your dress sense because I am not one to talk about that thing. Um, how's, how's work? How's business? Cars coming and going? Things well, picked up? Well, um, yeah, you know, the
3: biggest problem at the minute is getting stock. It's really up. Mate, I don't know what's going on because, like, the market's not unbelievable, but the prices are still strong. It's really weird. I mean, there's still... There's there is still a shortage of used car stock okay, for sure. Interesting. The the problem is, is is you know, some dealers just buy anything. So they don't care what they buy as long as they've got a profit. My cars have to be of a certain stature, you know, and a lot of other dealers are like that. You know, they've got to, they've got to meet a certain criteria. And it's just getting harder and harder to find that car. To find the good stuff. Yeah. So
2: um, but we keep going, you know, it's what it is. Well, yeah, you always continue, don't you? Carry on, it's a good yeah, old yeah. British mentality. Uh, but I would have to say, for my very casual auto-trader browsing, you know, favourite pastime of mine, um, I would say that applies to a lot of the cars that I've been looking at, you know. Take Challenge Stradalis, uh, Bentley Continental's less so, uh, Project Eights. You know, just quite wacky stuff where there's usually a few cars knocking around. There's less and less. Like, mm. it's sort of, you know... Four or five cars, not always the best examples. The good stuff seems to be kind of tucked away a little bit. Well, I'll tell, I tell you what, this morning, I was
3: looking at pricing this morning, I was obviously, because oh, I'm obviously always looking to buy cars. So if you want to sell your car, by the way, nought to three-year-old, sports, hot hatch, prestige, SUV, not so much. Coming I, out of the season, uh, are we? Yeah, I will look at it. But obviously, we get a list of cars every day that, that are available to buy across all different networks, trade networks, essentially. And, and as I'm looking to buy stuff... So much money for me to buy as a, mm, as a dealer. Mm. So I'm looking for all my my stock that I have. I'm going to put it all up tomorrow. Yeah, put all the price up
2: because I can't replace it. So is it really punchy to say values are rising once again? Well, I I
3: saw and heard a statistic the other day and it's not relative in all markets and there'll be a lot of dealers that watch this that will agree and there'll be also be a lot of dealers that say actually that's not true it's market dependent but auto trader done a survey the other day you can't always believe everything auto trader say because they're uh, they're an advertiser and they don't buy cars they said for the 35th month in a row used cars have gone up wow so I haven't seen that as a... well you've seen the dip you've seen dip. the dip but but when I speak to some of the dealers that I deal with the big main dealers the conglomerates you know the, the conglomerates vo- the, yeah the volume dealers the car supermarkets they agree with auto Trader mm-hmm. because they're on a wheel okay. so they're volume dealers you know so but I'm a bit more specialist and so a lot a lot of the other prestige specialists so they see we all see different trends essentially but according to them I mean I don't always read what auto traders says they're, they're half guide but I don't read what they say cause they don't buy cars they don't write checks out I do so
2: surely I'm right because I'm buying them so well I, I, and as you say you, you are viewing your part of the market take Andrew Alexanders who I speak to a lot I actually speak to a lot of the team at Alexander's Jen yeah. It's about stuff and they always agreed with you you know when you when you were saying things like sometimes I have to sense checks on the stuff so I'm like, by the way Tony's been saying a lot about the market <laughs> dipping. Is he insane? Do I need to replace him on the podcast or is he correct? And they always go, yeah, you yeah, know, in, in yeah, this yeah, sector yeah. of the market. No, it's he's specialist. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. And, and it is it is dependent in the market that you're at. But Alexander is similar to me. They saw a certain high, higher value of car, yeah. but they're specialist. Yeah, for sure. So so um, we saw a dip, but, but, but th- that is rising again a
2: little bit now. Oh, good time to sell some cars. <laughs> well, well, I'm just putting all mine up. Oh, brilliant. Well, you might have a few more from me. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, we've got to have a, a quick No, show. I don't want them. I know what you've got. I'm
3: not interested. Thank you.
2: Quick shout out to our live viewers over on Recast. Just a reminder, if you are watching or listening to this podcast uh, when it's going live later in the week, if you want to join us live for our recording sessions, you can do so over on Recast. Uh, We've got a ton of awesome viewers today. They're all uh, jumping into the live chat. Um, uh, uh, Oh, from Canada, Matt's joining us from Canada. Tim Oldland's on, first time watching live on Recast. Uh, Welcome, Tim. Uh, uh, We've also got, uh, I can't pronounce that. Oh, Tony's Fat Wallet. (laughs) <laughs> Tony's Fat Wallet, who likes your Timberlands, says, get your boots up on the table, Tony. Don't listen to Sam. So, yeah. Um, anyway, great to have them on board. So, yeah, as I say, if you want to join us for, for, for the live streams and get in the chat, you can do so. Now, for the last few episodes, I've been speaking a lot about the fact that I'm on these secretive trips. I'm going so far. I've got so much going on. I can't really talk about it. Well, finally, today... I can talk about the majority of what I've been up to. Good. And we're actually going to go into quite a lot of detail Good. about one of the trips I went on. Right. So first thing I just have to touch on very quickly is Ferrari Purosangway. The embargo finally lifted. One of the scariest and strictest embargoes I've ever signed in my life. Yeah. Basically told me that I couldn't even say that I was in Italy. <laughs> um, and the embargo lifted last night. And I think Tim texts me, Shumi texts me saying that he'd counted like thirty-two videos dropped when the embargo was lifted, which is I think is like one of the most Insanely over covered car launches that I've experienced in a long time. Unbelievable. So, plenty of coverage out there for that car. My video goes live this weekend. Depending on your listening to the podcast, it may have already gone live. Um, I'm not going to speak too much about it because I want to reveal my thoughts uh, in the video. All I will say is it is not an SUV, that vehicle. I disagree. It is not an SUV. Let's talk about it more next week, shall we? Once my video's gone live and we can go back and forth as to why.
3: Yeah. Actually, Present your argument now. Why no, do you no, 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 get- I'm going to wait till next week. Let's okay. wait till next week because you can, you can... Otherwise, we're going to get in an argument and you won't be able <laughs> to defend yourself. So let's wait till you can defend yourself. Uh, oh, I'll okay. tie you in knots. <laughs> Good luck.
2: <laughs> um, so the big thing that I want to talk about instead, which is very appropriate for this podcast, but also an experience mm-hmm. I've just had, was my trip to Chile, or as I like to say, Chile, uh, to visit... The Porsche, and I'm doing that in inverted commas, synthetic fuels factory. All right, so I feel this is going to be quite a long conversation. It's going so, to be a um, huge conversation. Yeah. So before
3: we go into that, oh, can I can I mention something that I experienced at the
2: weekend? Oh, please, yeah, great.
3: I saw in the flesh, felt, touch it, went in. Oh, creepy. The Grenadier. No way. I did, yeah. Okay, how, what, when, where, why? So, um, there's some, there's like these little pop-up dealers that are uh,
2: starting to pop up. Sure, because I don't think they're actually building dealerships. Are they? I, don't think, I don't think you're going to have an in the or this was a. in So, industry. this was basically a hut, an
3: office, with a car sitting outside in uh, Sevenoaks. Okay. Right outside the Aston Martin dealer. And I was driving past, and I saw it. And then I thought, oh, perhaps I'll go and have a look and at the weekend. I did pop in. So they are actually going to have a dealership there. So oh. they're going to move the little Aston Martin dealer into the bigger showroom next door and they are going to have a Grenadier dealer at, wow. in Sevenoaks. Wow. So, okay. yeah, and there are going to be some dotted around. So, um, so I goes in. Uh, I couldn't drive it because it was like a prototype vehicle. Um, but it was good to see, good to get in, good to see the finish and the pricing and whatnot. and, my initial thoughts about the car, I think I was spot on. I mean, absolutely not a chance in the world would I buy one of them over a Defender. Interesting. I, 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 I was told, and you've told me, that it is good to drive. But even the, the guy who was talking me around it, he said it is very niche, which it is. We know that. And for a purpose, for one purpose, what from what I saw... It's perfect for if you live in a farm in Wales or in Scotland and all you want to do is go on farmland and you want to wreck it. It's very rugged inside. Um, But but it shows you
2: all the little neat neat tricks or the holes so you can hose it down
3: or the attachment bits. Yeah, it's been very... The one good thing about it, it's been very well thought out built-wise to the point like the panels and the bumpers, like they're in five different... Um, section. So, if you hit a bumper, you just replace that little bit. It's like Lego. So that that bit's good. There's lot. There are some good bits. And if it, if it's very specific for one purpose, I get it. But the problem is, like I said before, we're in 2023, and it is very similar price. They do commercial as well, by the way. So they do two commercials. Fifty four grand for the commercial.
2: Yeah, and um, and a. Uh, uh, it's a, the bog standard spec. So you do, you have 54 is the commercial, 59 is the bog standard car, which then you've got a plus options. And then 69 is the big Bell Staff Edition with the theoretically all the bells and whistles, but actually not all the bells and whistles. Well, all the bells and whistles apart from SatNav,
3: because SatNav is not available full stop because they don't believe in it and they're going to just Apple CarPlay.
2: Which is also the same for the Pura Sangway. <laughs> That doesn't surprise me at all, but I didn't know that, but that does not surprise me. Why are you coming at this from an aggressive stance? Because I would actually say this is a move that has been long overdue. I
3: I, I would agree, I would agree, but there are certain times that a sat-nav in a car can be, especially like, especially some of the German stuff, is easily as good as the as the smartphone sat nav, but me personally, and so do most people I know. I know you the same. You just use Google Maps or Waze or what, whatever, and it just goes on the screen. So I completely agree, and especially nowadays, like like Ferrari, I'm all, I'm almost a little bit surprised with Ferrari. Not now you've just told me because it's too grand
2: for sat nav. It, it was what like on the launch. I was like oh my God, Wow! (laughs) like like I think my video is about 12 minutes talking about the fact there's no set now. Fair, I'll look forward to talking about that. Especially if you're a startup company, why on earth are you going to buy in or develop that tech when you know in large parts of the world, most people are using Apple CarPlay or Android Auto? Now, the only thing which I would say to defend that or to, to go against that, so I had a quick conversation with some people in Europe about it after I'd driven the Purusangway. way. And they explained, obviously, data packages. So if you have a bad SIM data package and you live in Italy and you want to drive to Germany, often when you cross the border is when you'll rely on inbuilt sat-navs. Correct. So so that was the only thing which they said that would frustrate them. Yeah. Um, obviously, we... Well, you know, most places you can go now, you can sort of jump on and, and, and uh, join local networks. Yeah. And, so... Yeah, I mean, for me, I think, uh, yeah, I think it's a an obvious go to. Um, the one thing that's always frustrated me is when you have Apple CarPlay or Android Auto, Auto on a screen on the central dash, and then behind the steering wheel and in the instrument cluster, it still shows you the inbuilt set now. Yeah, That's yeah, the yeah, Thing yeah. that really frustrates. I'm me. sure they'll they'll
3: like they, that, that's the data thing. They'll, I'm sure they'll sort that out for sure. But uh, the uh, the just short about the Grenadier it's literally what I thought it was going to be um, I know a little bit more about it so I'm not going to say I'm wrong but I, I still think that you would probably need your head testing if you didn't buy Defender over one
2: well what you, you've, you've figured it out perfectly and you summarised it perfectly it is the ultimate I think specialist off-roader mm. Like it it is that they have the thought, the level of uh, attention to detail in terms of what you might want or need from an off-roader. Yeah. Yeah, Bolt-on, bolt-off parts. Yeah. Yeah, Holes for hosing down, the ruggedness, the... Things that you can attach, the weight that you can put on the roof, all of that. Yeah, everything's been thought through. Yeah, yeah, yeah they I haven't agree. forgotten anything. Yeah, because it's the been, interior is very rugged.
3: Like you can throw a dog or loads of mud in it. Yeah, and you just wash it down. And it takes a euro crate in the back. Yeah, yeah so yeah, like
2: yeah. like legitimate loading. Like, yeah. but that's because it comes from somebody who is. Super passionate about yeah, extreme yeah. off-roading. Yeah, yeah, fair. And I said in my main video, which you wouldn't have watched, so you don't know, <laughs> just just the point you made is that the unfortunate thing for that vehicle is that these days people use their cars in so many different ways. Correct, yeah. And and it it is such a niche specialism that to try and launch it in a mass market way, which is what I think they've done. Or trying to do. Or trying to do. Yeah. That's where they felt. If it just came out of like, look, we've, we've made this super specialist vehicle. We're only going to reach out to off-roading daily, Farmers Weekly, Clarkson's Farm. We're going to give one free to the Red Cross. You know, you'd be like, great, what a cool thing. Like, it's like a military vehicle. But almost. it won't make any money. No, no, and that, w- and of that's course. that's
3: exactly what he's good at,
2: making money, by the way. And that, well, you say this, the problem is at 70k... The people who might use it, as you say, farmers or estate owners or people who live in a situation where they need a vehicle that is just their off-road vehicle, it's a ton of cash. Mm. So it's a it's a sort of slightly lost car, but as an off-road, as just that one thing, you have to applaud it. But yeah, I agree. they've hit the you know the
3: ball out of the park. I agree. But um, but the, the other thing with it as well, they are going to try and make five or six thousand a year for this country as well. By the way. That's well, not, that's not going to go well, is it? That, but that that's the
2: figures that... that I'm sure that's what they uh, want to do, but... Yeah, they're, they're going to do... I think the intent to buy the list of people who've said, I would like to buy one, I don't know about deposits, yeah. was in the tens of thousands. Yeah, yeah. But um, same with M3 Touring, though. I've seen cancelled orders of them now already. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. What happened to the rumours that M3 Touring was super limited? Do you remember that? People were saying they weren't going to make very many, that there wasn't an actual number... <clears throat> but it was going to be sort of a lower production than the well, saloon There Well, there are, there are definitely going to be less than
3: saloons and, and M4s. 100%. There's definitely less because the allocation's less. Yeah. So, um, I know that for sure. But it's still... BMW mass produce because they have to to make money. Yeah. So, they... And when they see a drop-off of M4s and, and um, M3s, they'll go, well, we'll keep making tourings then. Because yeah. that's just what they do. And I'll tell you what else they're doing at the minute. Main dealers... Not just main dealers, but but mostly main dealers, especially on new cars, because we're not allowed to do this as independents. They're changing the finance rate depending on how popular the cars are. Really? They are, yeah. So if a car's not popular, they're giving you a, a lower finance rate. But if it's popular, like an M3, they're hiking the finance rate up. Wow. We're not allowed to do that as an independent because we're, we're the way we regulate it. But new cars got slightly different rules. Sounds sketchy. So that's, what as hell. Do- that's what they're doing. Yeah. So so if you want, a, say for instance, if you want a M3 Touring, the finance rate's like ten point nine percent or nine point nine percent. Whereas if you want an M4 Coupe, yeah, it's like six point nine percent. Yeah. Wow. Seven point nine percent. So it's
2: more. And could you go into a BMW dealership and order a Touring today? You can order it. Yeah. And when when would they say it's coming? And it's a- well,
3: if they, if they've, I mean, they, they have got a long list of people. Yeah. That that. That want cars, so there is a, there is a way. I, I I would be amazed if you went in today. I'd be amazed if you saw it this time this,
2: next year, unless it was a council order. Interesting. Said, quite, quite a, a few are coming way. through to the used market, though. I, I I don't want to say the flippers, but there are quite well, they a are lot. flippers. But are they fetching overs though? Because I feel like they're all sort of list. Well, they uh, well, <laughs> they they're li-
3: so we've got one coming in July or June or whenever it was. I can't okay. remember and it's an ultimate pack car with everything on it every box tip and it was 98 grand okay so if you go if you're on if you're on if you go online and look at ultimate pack cars they're 110 115 ish okay. so they're 10 or 15 over and then the comfort pack cars they start at 85 grand sure so you know if they've not got the ultimate pack they're like early 90 spec roughly and people are putting them on at a 100 grand, so yeah, they're between eight and ten grand over retail at the moment. Advertised for, I'm not saying that's what they're selling for, sure, but that's that what people advertise are for trying that. to get for. Yeah, it.
2: well, I'm driving that car real soon, so I'm quite, <laughs> I'm quite oh, mate, excited. It'll be a great car, yeah.
3: you know, because the M3 yeah. and the M4s are fantastic cars. It's just that is is
2: the hype. You know, real. I actually think, as we've said many times on this podcast, the hype kind of fell through. It's fell through the floor a while ago, didn't it? Yeah, cars falling a bit flat. Okay, can we talk about synthetic fuels? Of course, (laughs) because I've been so excited (laughs) to do this. (laughs) Dribbling. Something else has been embargoed, and I've just been sitting there, been like, oh come on. (laughs) Actually, can I just triple check the embargo? Because I got a bit nervous this morning, being like, I I haven't got confused with some of my embargoes. Um, This would completely screw our entire podcast <laughs> our entire life could you imagine if suddenly he's like oh no actually <laughs> it's next week you know you go march the 6th okay fine um so this yes 5th today mate yeah uh, it's the 8th oh don't try and scare me like <laughs> <that>. <laughs> so yeah i think um we've spoken about it and a lot of people are aware that that Porsche were developing or aiding in the development of a synthetic fuel. Uh, the news came out, I think, towards the end of last year, or maybe midway through last year, that they were teaming up with like Siemens and some other things, and 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 working on a plant or factory in Chile. And, and
3: but it's been it's been it's been in the pipeline for a while. I think that's longer than six months, mate. Yeah, mate. It's been
2: over well over a year. Maybe it's been a year yeah. that they first started talking about yeah, it. Yeah, and, and this was kind of seen, and we definitely voiced our support of it. It's like this is great that it's now a manufacturer, and a big manufacturer like Porsche, kind of getting behind synthetic fuel and we saw it at the time as a kind of nod to the fact that quite a few manufacturers but definitely porsche are clearly thinking well is ev the future or or, or are there other possibilities for new vehicles that's how we read it i think at the time when we
3: first started to hear about this i think we both said and i think we should pat each other on the back this is the answer
2: yeah, oh, 100%. I mean, we've both said that. We've been talking for a long time about synthetic fuels. And, and heck, last year, that work I did with uh, P1. Yeah. Uh, putting their fuel into my 360. And uh, and we, we we definitely are pro Synthetic or e fuels save this the engine. Save so, <laughs> the engine. <laughs> but I've obviously since learned a lot more, and and Porsche had a lot more to say. So I guess what I'm going to do let us let's, let's do it like this. Let me t- talk New and talk and throw questions at me. Like be my integ- interrogator. Let's not let's not miss anything. Right. So first thing to clear up is this is not Porsche's synthetic fuel. Okay. Porsche are an investor. In a company called HIF, which I think is highly innovative fuels. Okay. Um, that have created a a pilot plant. <clears throat> are they the main investor or no, 12%. Right, right okay. The fine. main investor is a company called AME, which is they're like a, a coal mining company from Chile, right. who also a big into solar uh, or or part renewable energy i think solar renewable okay. energy but they're an energy company they're an energy company right. amy an and energy coming in they're like 74 percent shareholder right. then you've got uh porsche and i actually can't remember who the other shareholders are but yeah so they're 12 yeah yeah but i i believe the 12 percent or the majority of that money from porsche has helped to build the site or develop this pilot plant right which is essentially a sort of yeah let's test this out and see
3: if this could work but well, what they would have done as well is they would have given the product that it's going into. Said, well, you know, they would have supplied them with the, with the, with the machine that the fuel's going to go
2: into, right? Yeah, so the pilot plant can produce 130,000 litres a year. Right. And Porsche exclusively have that. So that all, all of that, from that pilot plant, all the fuel goes to Porsche. Right. And the the claim from Porsche, it's going to be used in Supercup and at the Porsche Experience Centres. So at the moment, that's Porsche's plan. Right, Okay. But there's a more holistic view to this. The, obviously, HIF as a company, the, the fuel-making company, have huge expansion plans to have plants in parts of America and uh, other parts of Chile and, and all around the world to be producing something like 55 million litres of so what, what fuel. So could,
3: what could they make at Chile? What,
2: what is their... 130,000 litres. That's the most they can that's make. The at- most, that's the most they can make, and that all goes uh, to Porsche. At the Chile branch? At uh, the Chile pilot plant right, okay. that they've so, got at the moment. Right, okay, fine. So, but Porsche's more holistic vision is not what we may be first suspected of this is a route to save new combustion engines, Mm. but more so, this is an answer for existing combustion engines. Of course. Which I think has been our argument from day one, Yeah, is that there's this narrative of, let's all go EV. We've got to build... billions of electric vehicles and we've all got to go out and buy them. We've got to scrap the combustion engine. We, we can't buy new ones and if you're in one now, you are killing the planet and you've got to go EV. Yeah. And there were so many red flags about that and we've discussed it so many times. I don't want to go necessarily into EV bashing right no, now.
3: No, 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 no. Well,
2: we've done that more than enough. More than enough. More. Yeah. But the great thing about synthetic fuel is theoretically it gives an opportunity to switch all combustion engine vehicles to become or, or make them all carbon neutral today. Theoretically. Right, so let me ask you this, because I actually
3: don't know the answer to this. To make synthetic fuel, is there any emissions to the world? Is it does it harm the
2: world? So there's obviously lots of different ways you can make synthetic fuel, and this is the really interesting thing about Porsche and HIF and what they're doing, and it also differs massively, for example, from P1. Yeah. So the 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 unmissable- what do they make a year? P1 in fuel. You know that,
1: bit? I actually have no idea, okay, but it's, it
2: is a lot larger. Their output already is a lot larger. Right. Because um, they're supplying World Rally Championship. And, okay, fun. Uh, I think, not World Touring Cup, but something. Anyway, so they're already producing more. Um, So, you need renewable energy yeah. for the electrolysis part. Yeah. So that's why, for example, this plant, this pilot plant's in Chile, because they basically have unlimited wind. <laughs> In that part of the world, the average wind speed is like 90 to 120 kilometres an hour, like six months of the year. So they've got so much wind. And wind is more, um, has a better energy rating than solar. Your dream is onshore wind. Most easiest way to recycle, basically. Yeah, to to, to get the renewable, you want onshore wind, then solar, then offshore, in terms of cost to energy, you know, results. Um, So the actual... Yeah, emissions from that plant is there? There's nothing. Water. Um, I think a little bit of hydrogen in one of the processes. It does depend on the process. But I asked exactly the same question. Yeah. Can a can a synthetic fuel um, factory ha- release harmful emissions? And yeah. the answer was theoretically no. Right. Okay. Um, and anything that is emitted is sometimes reused. It's sometimes sent yeah. away. Yeah. And reused the other way. Yeah. Um, there's an element of carbon capture that needs to take place to turn, once you take their water and do the electrolysis, to then end up with basically e-methanol, which is what you'll eventually take to e-gasoline or to to get e-gasoline, you need to bring in carbon. So at HIF, they get their carbon from a beer factory down the road, (laughs) which is kind of amazing because they haven't, the technology for carbon capture is still a little bit young, so there's, lot, so there's lots of different ways that you can capture carbon. Lots of ways you can capture carbon right, okay. and lots of different ways you can make synthetic fuel. Right. So at this pilot plant for HI for Porsche, they've got one wind turbine. It's all they need, one wind turbine. To produce 130,000 130, litres. Right. And yeah, they use that renewable energy, they do the electrolysis, and they end up with an e-methanol. That's their first step, is they can use electrolysis, carbon capture, renewable energy and they end up with e-methanol for Porsche and HIF when they gave us the briefing and as you can tell <sighs> I got a little bit lost they were like okay you know this is how we use the renewable engine the carbon capture and we end up with e-methanol and actually they they sell a lot of the e-methanol because it can be used in lots of different ways Okay, so they don't use all the e-methanol for e-gasoline but then they went and then we have a room which is called the, the m to g room methanol to gasoline and then we turn it to gasoline and, and then when we get the gasoline everyone was like whoa <laughs> why do they turn it into gasoline <laughs> Everyone was like, "Well, they didn't tell you that bit." Sorry, the MTG room. Like, how does? Because that seems like quite a fundamental part of the process. Well, is well, there a tank in there? I mean, what happened? And they said, "Oh, we'll go on a tour and we'll show you." And we were like, "Right, that seems a bit weird." So then we're filming on the tour, walking around, and we get to this big building. And they go, "Right, sorry, no cameras allowed in here." Ah, oh. in we go, and there's these, all these complicated pipes. They go, "This is the MTG room." We're like, "Right." And the guy goes, "Okay, let me explain how this works." He probably talks for like five or ten minutes, <laughs> in I guess chemical jargon. Oh, I'd have gone right over my head. That literally, we're all standing there, being like, "What?" He is tripping on his words constantly, being like, "No, sorry." Then that pipe, like, he gets know. to the end, and I look at the guy from Porsche and the guy at Porsche who is, I mean, head of e fuels at Porsche. He's been a, an engine builder. He's studied chemical science. Like, he's like, even I don't understand this, and I'm like. What is happening in this room? Yeah, Turns out one of the other predominant partners in this plant is ExxonMobil. Now, the technology in the MTG room is ExxonMobil technology. Ah, uh, that and no one knows about. They developed in the 80s or 90s during the Wall Street crash when fuel prices, oil prices, went through the roof and they needed to find a way to convert other things into, into fossil fuel gasoline in a cheaper way. It's top secret. That's the money. That is the the juice, is right. the Exxon technology. Right. But... And do they have any, any shares in the company? Yeah. But I'll be honest, it really smelt funny that stage. <laughs> so I spent a week with Porsche doing an activation about their synthetic fuels and the e-fuels. And that section just got me a bit shook. I was just a bit like, no one here has understood this process. You've tried to rush us in and out and ExxonMobil are in- involved. And look, I am one of the biggest synthetic fuel fans and flag bearers in the world here. I want this to work. And I think it's brilliant that Porsche are doing it. But the one thing that they need to figure out is their messaging around m to g Because I cannot sit here right now and explain to you how that works. Well, what what I would probably gather from what you've just
3: said is that maybe there is not a way to make any sort of fuel, whether it be electric, petrol, synthetic fuel, without admitting some sort of carbon emission to the world. No, no, there's no emissions
2: from this process. There's only water. But they're hiding something though, mate. What they're doing, apparently this is the sauce. Apparently, like the the sauce. This is like the McDonald's secret recipe. The reason they can't tell us exactly the process is because this is ExxonMobil... Technology, which is their—that's their USP. Right. They've had to buy in, so the, there's a reason why they almost picked, like copyright. Then. It's copyright, right? Okay. But but there should be a basic explanation of the process, the chemical process to turn e-methanol into e-gasoline but, that we can follow.
3: But maybe they don't want to tell you because they don't want other people to copy and then mass produce it, and they're not the first on the potential. Pot- potentially, I would
2: say that might be what they're, they're just trying to protect their brand potentially yeah. but no matter what that was a bit vague yeah. at, at that point but fundamentally you end up with yes an e-gasoline e-methanol that was wasted in the process but you can then upsell and, and water because um, lots of water still in that actual fuel in that so liquid. once they so once they
3: get to the point where at some stage We'd like to think that someone will be able to mass produce it, right? Mm-hmm. At some point, someone's going to hit the jackpot and they're going yep. to mass produce it, whether it be P one or this company or whoever it may be. How are they going to get it around the world? Okay, P- so P- pipes. I mean, shipping.
2: So, which is a fortune. Two, two or three things. So, we let's come back to that because that's, that's kind of a bit more of a holistic question towards the end. Okay, fine. Let me just keep telling a couple more facts. So, at the P one, uh, sorry, the HIF plant. Their final product is only 93 octane. Yeah, but
3: that is fine, mate. In, in And I'll tell you why. Go. A lot of modern cars now are already ready for E25 fuel. Sure. So we're at E10 now. So 93 will be easily within that E25. And a lot of places around the world fuel-wise... Look at America. Their fuel is 91, 93 anyway. So uh, most of these modern cars will run on that, no problem at all. You know, they're all very, because only an ECU, they're all very clever nowadays. So the the biggest problem that they'll have is the older
2: stuff. Exactly. that, That can't run on it. And this is the whole point. So Porsche's argument is that this fuel is for the Porsches that already exist. Now, the, the, their their future strategy is still electric. Yeah, That's what they're claiming. Their future strategy is still electric. But this is for the millions of Porsches that are on the road right now. What do we do about them? And so 93 octane isn't ideal and also in motorsport because let's not forget Porsche are claiming that they're going to use this in Super Cup. They're going to want a higher octane, 1 million percent. And for HIF, their only way to do that is, wait for it, send the fuel to Exxon Mobil <laughs> who then use non carbon neutral additives to up the octane so they can't claim a, a, footprint. a yeah a higher octane derivative yeah. is not completely carbon neutral yeah obviously very low but it's not completely carbon neutral so there's still miles better than we got now by the way miles better still you know if
3: it's if it's only at 5% and not 100% it's still miles
2: better you know but my point being there are a few little things that I looked at and I went, this isn't perfect yet. That's yet. This isn't perfect yet. So, and we have to remember that this is a pilot plant. This is Porsche, HIF, all to company, figuring out how to or, or, or how to perfect a potential synthetic fuel. And can I tell you something
3: else as well? There'll be, there'll be plants, companies around the world... Will be even further advanced of what you've seen. We just don't know. Oh, yeah. About
2: well, it. I, I, they'll be miles ahead. I, I don't want to keep beating this bush because, well, P1, you should pay, pay me to do so. But, and me. But <laughs> they are miles ahead. Yeah. Like, they, are, they are miles ahead. Firstly, yeah. their fuel is E0. It, They're ethanol free, P1. So when it comes to well, classics. What fueled your hi- car? Yeah. When it comes to classics and historics, that's brilliant. They use a far more cost effective and I think efficient way of actually producing this fuel. What run was their fuel? Uh, they can go up to 102, right? Um, and they they use non-fossil additives. Right. Um, so I, I think they are more advanced, and also they are consumer ready now. You can go buy a, a tank of uh, uh, or even sorry, a cylinder, a barrel of P1 tomorrow if you wanted to, or today. To say. Six quid a litre. Yeah, yeah, six euros a litre. Yeah. But that you know, early adopters. That's always going to be yeah, yeah. Porsche or HIF don't have a figure. Firstly, because it's not for sale. But even if it was it would be far higher because they're producing a much smaller batch.
3: No, Porsche are doing it to protect their brand. They're not doing it for any other reason. They're just literally doing it to protect their brand, to keep the the the, the combustion fleet that they have around the world going now. And they're going to come to market and they're going to say, we're, we're one of the first, all our cars are now emission free. Well, so blah, this blah, blah, blah. Is, this is
2: the interesting thing is that Porsche have no intention and no desire to... To supply a fuel, it's never going to be Porsche's fuel. There'll never be Porsche fuel stations. That like no nothing. No, 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 no. They said that they may stretch to first fill, so your car is delivered from factory with their e fuel synthetic or H yeah. That that. But it's a longer play. They're investors. If this company does take off, if this is the leading e fuel synthetic fuel company around the world, they're in twelve percent. Happy days. Winning, winning. Yeah. Um, well, they and- probably try and buy it at that point. They'll buy the lot. Well, maybe they will buy that buy it outright, but, I, you know, so I think it, fundamentally that, that's their long play. They're doing it as a, to help to dev- push this forward, help get it into the mainstream narrative, help analyse the potential of it to secure their existing fleet, the fleet around the world. And then also, yeah, as a money play, um, that, you know, that they're buying into what is potentially one of the faster-moving uh, companies. Mate,
3: it will all come down to money because it's all it ever comes down to. It will all come down to what's it going to actually cost, how much can we actually sell it for, how much can we produce. The more we can produce, the, 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 the price will come down, obviously. And um, can we make some serious money
2: out of it? Well, and I, it's really going to actually start to depend on governments because it needs to enter the mainstream narrative as a viable solution right now or, or, or an option right now. And it, it is starting to do so. Even in the last couple of weeks since I did that trip, uh, Germany have started talking about the development of synthetics and e-fuels. I think Germany and France, Germany and Italy? Ge- Germany
3: and Italy, which are two of Europe's biggest players in uh, in terms of exporting
2: Vehicles, yeah, have asked to relook at the 2035 combustion engine band with the consideration of a synthetic fuel. Well, they want to come out, of it. they, 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 they want to. It's not. It's a bit weird. It's, yeah, it's been a no, but it's been a bit mislaid or misrepresented in the media that they don't. They're not asking to completely come out of it. It's a bit like in the UK, the Transport Committee or has said that they also want to look at this development in synthetic fuel, and that's what we need. We just need an open conversation about it because. Neither of it's the simple answer. You know, this is carbon neutral. It's not carbon zero. There's still some emissions from, well, there are emissions from a vehicle um, and not just the carbon that people can look at. And, but if you're going to go that level, you know, you've got tyres, you're going to ban the car in total. So do you want me to show you what I think
3: in terms of the governments? Go on. I honestly, I honestly think this. I think they know they've made a rick. Made a mistake. Yeah, with EVs and stuff. And they're now just starting to plot into the public tiny little hints that, and they'll slowly turn the public round because they can't just come out, all of them tomorrow, and go, oh, we've made a really big mistake with EVs, everyone. Now you've all got to go and buy synthetic fuel. So what they're doing is they're now just going to slowly, we'll look at it, we're just going to do this, we're going to do our due diligence, we're going to do this. I think they already know in the back of their heads, they're... They already know. Well,
2: the the problem is, and this is this is this is so political and aggressive. <laughs> it's true. But let's face it: a lot of politicians are not experts in the field at which they are are in charge of. Well, you a know, lot they, of them don't even own cars. Yeah. Well, I, they, they are put into that position by the head of their party. Yeah. They are told, okay, you are now uh, minister for education. You are yeah. now minister for health, and and they have to get up to speed and they have to learn. But they are politicians. They are there essentially as debaters. Yeah. Um. And especially within transport, it was the easy and obvious route of we must go electric. We must reduce emissions, we must go electric. And until anyone explains or someone really understands or someone decides to delve into the topic and see all the different opportunities and options and red flags and good and bad, you are just going to go, yeah, just go with that narrative. But thankfully, luckily, over the last 12 months, more and more people, and people like Porsche, getting involved in a synthetic e-fuel has helped to raise awareness. And people start going, by the way, what's, this, what's the deal with this synthetic fuel stuff? And some switched on people within governments or within committees are starting to go, we all need to start looking at this because this actually does make quite a bit of sense. There's also been some very, very switched on people as well that
3: actually, not lately, but very early on, said the EV weren't going
2: to work. Well, but EV does work in some situations. In some. It's mass adoption that doesn't work. Correct. And this was the other thing, you know, being in in Chile. I like saying Chile. I don't like saying Chile. I like saying Chile. But why, though? Because it's cool. Chile. That's how they all say it there. Is it? Yeah, from Chile. Um, I wonder if they say it like that because it's always windy. I think it's because that's the... Can't catch their breath. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think it's just the pronunciation. Um, didn't see an EV in Chile? No, of course oh, did isn't it. that part of the world. Uh, <laughs> and you know, and it, 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 it reiterated that point that in many parts of the world, an EV infrastructure doesn't make sense and is almost impossible to implement. And let's go back to the point you made about okay, so you've you've made your e fuel or synthetic fuel in Chile. How do you now get it around the world? So. I need to remember, I've probably got a slide somewhere. It'll be in my video when it goes live about where these plants are going to be. So the Chilean plant, the big mother chucker plant that's going to be doing 50 million barrels, that's going to service Europe because it's on the Magdalena Strait, uh, which it goes between the Atlantic Ocean and the Pacific Ocean. So is that a pipe? No, gonna shipping. So that is shipping. shipping. That is all shipping. Right. But there's one in Texas that could be piping, but obviously ships, so I didn't know this, there's already quite a few ships working on biofuel. I, t- I said this to you. Oh, you I said that to me well as well? I said this to you the other way. I said that
3: there, there's there's cruise, actual, liners, cruise liners that are really pushing, um, running on on bio and zero fuel. Okay. Like, they're really advertising the fact that they want to be the first to do it. That's so in the media now.
2: Tank, tank is the same, apparently. So it can be an efficient way, and it can be a carbon-efficient way to get the fuel around the world. Yeah. So they've already thought of that. Yeah. And that, that's a big part of it. And... You know, when you look at the other route, so hydrogen or pure electric, because really that's our three options right now, isn't it, moving forward? Synthetic fuel, hydrogen, or electric vehicle. At the moment, that's what we've got to consider. But the problem is with with the difference between synthetic fuel and
3: the hydrogen and the EV is that synthetic will work for everyone and everything.
2: Today. Today. Now. Right now. Tomorrow. That's the, the thing to reiterate, is legitimately you could put a synthetic fuel, if it's made correctly, in any vehicle from any era and it will, it should perform exactly like normal fuel and you can even mix it with normal fuel. Yeah. So, so we started, we filled up, we were in some Panameras. filled up at the HRF plant with a tank of e-fuel, supposedly, uh, <laughs> drove off down the road <laughs> and then overnight they were just topped up at a local Chilean, Patagonian fuel station and on we went and that's the whole point. There's nothing needs to be done to the cars, the vehicles, nothing needs to be changed or updated. You don't have to consider whether your car can run E10 or E5. Like, just go, put in anything, 1920s Aston Martin, 1930s Bentley, 1960s Porsche, like whatever. Yeah. Get in and go. And all you've all you got to do then, all you got to do then is have tanks
3: in petrol stations and that, that I mean, you, you just start eat, selling it. Just
2: start selling it. Literally, just start selling That's it. That's what I said to the same Porsche. Like, Literally, could you not just start servicing this? Could you not reach out to, I guess they're all franchisees, right? Shell and BP in this a country big things like that. So could you not reach out to the biggest franchiser in the UK and say, we want to have one pump at each of your stations, which is a synthetic fuel, and let it, let consumers decide. Because, okay, six litres, six euros a litre, I'm not filling up my car for that. No, but no, no. Am I putting 20 or 30 quid in? Maybe. Because you can mix it. I don't have to fill up the car. But I can top it up. I'm at about three quarters of and think, heck, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a little bit more carbon neutral because it it genuinely works like that. And as more of us buy and demand the increases, minute. the price will come down. Fair. But
3: but wait a minute, mixing it, does it does it still give you
2: the same? one Well, no, well uh, of course not, because if you're running on a fifty percent E five fossil fuel and fifty percent E zero synthetic fuel, the part of your mission, 50% of your emissions will still have carbon, but, a fossil
3: fuel carbon. But, all right, then let me put it another way then. So say you had half a tank worth of normal fuel mm-hmm. and half a tank worth of synthetic fuel, right? Mm-hmm. So you had a full tank of fuel. Mm-hmm. Would the emissions be the same if you just add half a tank of synthetic and no fuel or vice versa? What What I'm trying to say is the percentage. <laughs> so,
2: so the emissions don't change, obviously. Yeah. The emissions are always the same. Of course. It's just the fact that they are neutralised by the carbon that was captured during the production of the fuel, the synthetic fuel. Yeah. So, so, it just means if you're emitting 230 grams, whatever, per blah, 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 of carbon, 50% of that, theoretically, has been neutralised in the production phase. Right, okay. So the emissions don't change. So, but it all helps. It all helps. Yeah. And the m- more demand, the more the price will come down. Yeah. Um, well, that's the key, mass. Yeah. Of course. Ma- mass is absolutely the key. Um, it, it was a it was a fascinating insight for sure, and really exciting. And I'm glad Porsche are pushing in this space. One of their arguments, which I thought was really interesting, and the reason that we were one of the reasons we were in Panamera is down there, is because with the development of new cars, as we're in this kind of transitionary period, hybrids are really interesting because at the moment, even we've discussed it here on the podcast. There's a lot of positivity around hybrids, right? Of course. And even Formula One are working hard on hybrids, lots of racing and... Well, they run hybrids, right? Exactly. But aiding with the development of road car hybrids, et cetera, et cetera. If we all buy hybrids between now and 2030 or 2035, they will be on the road and still need to be fueled up, right? Yeah. But the stats for Panamera, I think uh, they've sold 350,000 Panameras around the world to date. In countries like UK, Austria, people are very pro-hybrids. That's the narrative. As I say, we're all all very pro it. But in many parts around the world, the majority of the world, people don't understand hybrids. So I think it's something like 74% of Panameras sold are combustion engine vehicles and that will continue. So even though we're sitting here going oh yeah hybrids great hybrids great we're going to buy more and more hybrids in many parts around the world they're not. Yeah. And so between now and 2030 2035 there is still going to be tons of new combustion engine vehicles hitting the road. Yeah. And so that's what they're saying you know that, that that's why Porsche's thing is like you know we're going in this direction we're helping to develop new hybrids we're helping to develop EVs but we are advanced in this we are the Early adopters of this tech, many parts around the world, people are still just buying straight combustion engine vehicles, and that's oh, Look what we at to look protect. at look at America. Yeah, and China. I mean, well, there you go. What did we, I mean? We,
3: uh, we was in we was in like hybrid and electric city when we went, but we barely saw a Tesla yeah. or a hybrid. There was all big combustion
2: cars. When that escalated, I mean, my god, doing yeah. four mpg around Yeah, town, literally. Yeah, that's in totally normal. Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, those of you in the live chat, p- please feel free to shove any questions or, or, or anything that you can um, uh, think of or anything around fuels that you might want to ask us. I'm just seeing here, uh, Tony's Fat Wallet is back, saying, I thought ethanol content was different from octane. Uh, yes, so exactly that. You, you, your ethanol content can be different. It doesn't relate to the octane. You can have a 100-octane fuel, which is E0 or E5 or E10, but they often will use ethanol or a variation of ethanol to increase or boost the octane rating. Of course. So that would be part of it. Um, so, Karis uh, uh, says, I work for John Lewis. Uh, many of our HGV fleet run on gas or biofuel. Yeah. Uh, if we could use synthetic fuels for the delivery vans, then that would be perfect. Well, this is Elliot. Exactly it. Biofuel is being used a lot around the world. And actually... What I didn't know, which Porsche told me, GT4 RS launch and GT3 RS international press drives were run on a biofuel. Super Cup has already been run on a biofuel right. for the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, and biofuel is obviously great, but it it has its uh, holdbacks. It's not, uh, it can't be scaled up as quickly or as easily. Um, uh, Geron has asked, do you think car manufacturers will go back to bigger engines if we can make e-fuels work? Um why wouldn't they? Ah. There's no because
3: if if there's if there's not an, uh, an emission problem, what well, I mean that's what people like. They'll make what people like.
2: Yeah, fair. fair. Um, I don't know. It's a weird one that because when we were chatting on WhatsApp, you said, "Oh yeah, great." So they they'll just scrap the 2035 thing. But I don't see that coming. And because I think the big player, a big reason why there's not a lot of noise, because Shell and BP and all the biggest oil or fuel suppliers that haven't figured out their synthetic fuel strategy yet yeah. and that's what's holding us back because they're the biggest financial players
3: well,
1: aren't they well
2: ha, they haven't told us that's what i mean
3: that's they, what, they that's haven't what vocalized their strategy yet so once, i think they'll be miles ahead mate they'll be further
2: ahead than we than we actually think i think we would know if they've got big plants it's impossible to build yeah, of a course. huge wind like yeah, with, yeah so yeah. We, we would know but they're just not ready to be at that point. Fair. Okay. Um and, and once they're on board, then it will switch very quickly. But yeah. even then, I, I think we'll still see a push towards okay, so from 2035, 75 percent of new vehicles sold have to be PH or BH, B hev, B, P or B H. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Like I don't think it's gonna switch like overnight to like, okay, we can all go back to having new new combustion engine no. vehicles.
3: And it also depends on the market because these manufacturers make for the market. If everyone by 2035 is comfortable with electric and everyone goes and buys electric, then they won't buy... But, but, yeah, if the just buy electric in place.
2: And actually just on that, you know, electric vehicles, um, also hydrogen, still do require a lot of renewable energy. Huge. So, you know, the sort of argument of, or should you be building wind farms or solar farms in these places... Everyone's going to require it for the production of EV vehicles. We know there's also another impact, which is uh, lithium mining. Um, and also, uh, what, what else we for batteries? What are those huge mines that they were showing the other day, which were? Yeah, I, saw um, I can't remember what they are
3: anyway. So, so, there's, and, and they're going to run out of lithium, by the way. Yeah, so, so there's so the other
2: issues there. Yeah. You know, renewable energy is a, a much more straightforward route to go. Um, I'm just holding tight because i have got a couple more questions coming in from the live chats. want to see what anyone else wants to know about the old synthetic fuels. Um, uh, Matthew Bauer has said, I hope new fuels help my alpha QF fuel economy. I'm not so sure about oh, that. Yeah. Just throw that car in the bin. Nothing's going to help you with that car, son. Uh, Rube Studio, when are you launching STG f- synthetic fuel? Install a pump at Podium Place. That-? You know what we should do? <laughs> we should have a pump at yours. Yeah. And people can come and. Top up and get a free coffee at the same time. Yeah, um, Cobalt mine. That's it. Cobalt. Well done. A free um, top up? Are you joking? <laughs> no free, free free coffee. Oh, free coffee. Yeah, yeah. pay for the fuel. Yeah, <laughs> get <a> coffee. <laughs> Six <laughs> quid a litre. Um. <laughs> um, you know this conversation is going to keep going. I massively appreciate the invitation from Porsche. I, as I say, applaud them massively. I wasn't wholeheartedly convinced by their methods but it's early days. They're very much at the very beginning of this. They are getting their first batch of fuel any day now, which they'll then be testing before they completely give the green light to be using in Supercup and Porsche experience centres. So they're very much in their pilot phase where other other, other synthetic fuel companies are are sort of far more advanced. But it doesn't matter. It's just good that they're doing it. And I'm fairly confident in a year's time or even if I called up, we could probably get the HIF um, fuel guide to come on and try and explain that M to G room a bit more but if they that might
3: to, be a bit lost I think everyone's yeah. going to be a bit lost even yeah. if
2: I mean if the Porsche e fuels guy's like I struggle to follow this I think we're all going to yeah. uh, and oh, the- good point someone's just put free coffee and fuel with every 918 ride what's happened to our 918? well I don't know have we got any money yet? I think we should launch it really? I've decided I think we should launch it okay and we're going to we're going to do 25 pounds a subscriber Please. 25 quid 25 quid because I just lo- I looked at Nineteen values they're up to like 1.2 1.4 oh they've gone up yeah. yeah so 25 quid a subscriber we'll run the car for a year many events many things and then we give it away at the end of the year to one of those donators done brilliant If we raise a grand, we'll give it all back to you. (laughs) Uh, Anyway. um, (laughs) Pay for a Christmas party. That's exactly it. (laughs) Uh, The Purish Sangway video goes live on Sunday. We'll be talking more about that next week. Uh, And then the synthetic fuels video. Actually, it doesn't go live for another couple of weeks. It's a big production from my side, so that won't go live for a few more weeks, but you'll see and hear more about it then. Also, the film then it you? was an epic... Oh, no, I for three days in Patagonia. That's oh, a big, no. big, 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 bit of content. But yeah, more thoughts, more bio-holistic thoughts about synthetic so that feels, in case you missed some of our previous conversations or some of our chat um, uh, about the 360 and things like that, uh, that will all be included in that piece of content. <laughs> anyway... We're going to wrap things up there for this week. Uh, if you want to join us uh, in the live chat for our next episode, head over to Recast dot tv for slash behind the glass you can be submitting questions as well like we've had from our amazing audience today thank you by the way for all of you who have been watching live today uh, of course you can still enjoy episodes uh over on youtube and audio only on spotify apple podcasts amazon music etc uh, if you want to follow tony in the meantime he's at tony gravel car sales on most social media platforms i'm at seen through glass on most social media platforms and yeah we'll be back with you for another episode next week bye bye see ya uh thank you everyone um we missed a couple of questions. George, by the time you get enough donations for the 918, the value would have gone up another 200K. Lovely. Point. Uh, Owen, do you record these live at the same time every week? We actually don't. We we usually do record on a Monday around 1pm. That's our most regular slot. Um, but at the moment, with the amount of travel I've got on, and Tony's about to go on a trip too, sometimes they shift to a Wednesday. But I'm about to book in our next couple of weeks, so you'll be able to go and book your place for future live streams um, uh yeah, for the next few weeks. So keep your eye on the recast page this afternoon. But yeah, thank you all very much for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back with you soon. Bye-bye. See you all.